What's going on, everybody? It is Triple Crown 24 back today with another episode of the Sports Card Psychology Podcast, where we go inside the mind of the hobby. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the concept of diminishing returns and how consumers have really started to normalize this with all hobby products, but it is perhaps taken to the next step with the release of the first 2023 baseball product being Series 1. And this episode, just a forewarning, I imagine is going to be fairly pessimistic compared to maybe some of my other episodes. I definitely always want to try to give both sides of the same coin where I kind of look at it uh, from a more balanced approach of both best case, worst case, and then a more realistic case scenario uh, for each this one, though, naturally is probably going to sound a bit pessimistic at times, but I will try my best to be as uh, down the middle of the road as possible with today's topic. But this is the next step in the evolution of wax, both hobby and retail, with this Series 1 release. And Given that Fanatics, this would appear to be their first full season where more and more control is kind of, uh, I guess, figured out where they're able to implement more of their policies since they acquired tops. And I think we're going to see more and more of that and some of the ideas they may have is how the distribution model should work and how the products should be collated, et cetera, et cetera, uh, as this year progresses. But when I saw... What you're seeing on screen now, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on just podcast form, I'm showing you the odds of hitting any gold parallel in a given Series 1 hobby pack over the last three years. When I first saw this bit of news, I was excited, admittedly. It was one in 38 hobby packs last year, so less than one per box, up from one in 27 in 2021. And it has decreased this year to 1 in 33, which to me, at first glance, meant, hey, this is a step in the right direction, right? Maybe we're reining in the print runs a little bit from 2022. There's some buzz around some of the big names in this year's uh, 2023 rookie class of the guys who have been put out in Series 1. There maybe not be as much buzz on those guys as there was with like Wander Mania last year where we're seeing crazy prices for series one right out of the gate with people trying to chase wonder franco cards so yeah this this looks like it's a good uh a good sign a step in the right direction in my opinion but when you look deeper at the odds across all the different products it's actually bad uh it's really bad and the perception coming out of 2023 series one from what i hear on all accounts pretty much is that jumbo boxes are the way to go that there is incredible value to be had in jumbo boxes and i want to debunk that because is there more value in jumbo boxes this year than there was last year yes i will objectively say yes because pretty much the odds on almost everything that is considered good in a jumbo box is better in 2023 series one than it was in 2022 series one. So on paper, mathematically, whatever you want to put it, yes, you should get more value out of a box. And considering I think price point is around the same for where they were 
I think jumbo boxes are now up to like 250 a box, and that's where they were uh, when 2022 Series 1 came out, if I recall correctly. That would indicate that, yes, you are getting more bang for your buck this year. But keep in mind that if you're using 2022 as the baseline uh, for what you consider to be value, then that might not be the best gauge because 2022 was the epitome and perhaps the pinnacle of diminishing returns where you are paying more to get less. And I'm going to be quoting a lot from this article that you'll see here on screen if you're watching on YouTube, but it is from cardlines.com. They put this out about the truth about series one uh, print runs and odds. Fantastic in-depth article. If you want to go check it out, I'll try to leave it in the link uh, or linked in the description down below, I should say. I'm going to be referencing a lot of things from this to start things off as I already have with the odds of gold in uh, hobby packs. And I want to scroll down here to the jumbo box odds. And as I said, I think it is extremely deceptive to think that jumbo box odds are really good and that the jumbo boxes are a good value because I would say that's not accurate. And when you take a look at these odds, you would say, oh, how is that possible? Look at these. And you just said earlier on that these odds are much better than 2022. Well, yeah, that is true. But again, if you're basing 2022 as your baseline for what is, I guess, the benchmark for what to expect out of Series 1, then you're looking at a very extreme one. The odds had never been worse. Again, let's go back. Let me scroll back up here. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see this here. But if you're on podcast form, a gold parallel in Series 1 in 2021 was 1 in 27 hobby packs. It is still up overall. In fact, it's up a little under 25%. Uh, 25% more difficult, that being over a two-year span. And if you go back even more to 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, you'll see that that number continues to decrease in terms of the odds. I remember back in, I'm going to sound like a bit of a boomer here, uh, even though it really wasn't all that long ago, in 2011, opening a hobby box of Series 1, and I believe it was one in six packs for a gold. So you would get, or maybe even one in four packs, you would get four to six golds per box. It wasn't really all that big of a deal back then as well. People were more concerned with the hits. And we're seeing some of that in regards to the prices in Series 1. We'll get to the hits in a moment. But really focusing on the parallels, one of the big draws of Topps flagship is going to be your parallels of the flagship base cards. We've seen what the Mike, Trout's gold, Mike Trout golds go for. We've seen what the black border parallels have gone for of your Ronald Acuna Jr.'s your Juan Sotos, your Aaron Judges, all of the big rookie names that have come out over really the last two decades that the Topps Black Parallel has been a thing. We've seen it all. We know the story behind them. And there's even some popularity among some of those, what I would consider second tier uh, parallels, the ones that maybe aren't talked about as much, whether that's because they don't pop up as often or they're just not as popular. Your camos, your uh, holiday variations, your Independence Days, your pinks, your blues, maybe your vintage stocks, varying levels of degrees and interest in them. 
we know the story with those. And those are really the big chases. Some will argue that the reverence uh, autos that are in Series 1 have become a big thing. I have heard them talked more and more this year than I ever have before, but really in terms of a uh, staple card in the hobby, I don't really see that too much. I would say that mostly you're looking for the parallels in these boxes. So here's what you can expect in a Series 1 box and really across the board with one very notable exception here. You'll see that you're about on average two to three times more likely to pull any given parallel in a jumbo pack of series one, which seems like a good thing, especially because it is around the same price point as last year. In fact, when these first came out, they were going for about 175 a box. They're up around the 250 mark. Now they possibly could go up even more, but this has come at the cost of cannibalizing the lower end releases. So yes, the jumbo boxes, are, in theory, a better value. Are they really, though, compared to years past? No, I just think that we're comparing that to 2022. And again, I don't think that's a fair comparison. Uh, let's take a look, though, at the hobby boxes for this release. Again, in the hobby boxes, what is really the chase here? Well, the only thing in the hobby boxes that you can get that you can't get in the jumbos would be the clear variations. They are numbered to 10. And they're very difficult to hit, as you can imagine, being numbered to 10. Uh, here you'll see the hanger odds down here. We'll get to that in a moment. I don't have the, uh, the hobby odds in front of me right here on this article, but I have them over on Beckett. So I'm going to switch screens here over on the YouTube side and show you the Beckett article to show you the hobby odds. So this is roughly uh, what we're looking at here. So you'll see rainbow foils at one in 10. Uh, and then kind of going through, we already talked about the golds at one in 33. You see some of the other notable parallels. One in 262 on the blacks. This is also interesting because I believe it was one in 117 or something last year for hobby packs. I can't, recall off the top of my head i was just looking at it before i started recording but this number is up to hit the black parallels and then pretty much on everything else it is down a little bit about 20 to 25 percent in most cases easier to hit some of these so yeah it is a little bit easier to hit some of these in the hobby but again you're paying 80 to 85 dollars a box when in normal times a series one box after release and all the excitement has died down, typically around 50 to $60 in some cases for the bad, quote-unquote, bad releases. You might be looking at like 40 to 50 bucks, something that is a lot more affordable. And I think with a lot of this here is that you see the significant increase in odds for the Jumbos is because Fanatics, Tops, kind of all under the same umbrella, your distributors out there, they want you to go towards the larger purchase. They want you to go towards uh, these jumbo boxes. But if you are going to stick to something lower end, they're going to push you to buy these hobby boxes. And why is that? Well, if you look at some of the odds here on some of these hanger and blaster odds, they might seem a bit steep. And that is really because they are a bit steep compared to last year. Here's where it gets 
really, I guess, disturbing, if you want to use that word, but it's very startling. Here's a look at your hanger odds, and you see that the non-numbered parallels have not changed. And what that kind of does is it creates the illusion that really not much has changed with the hangers because you're still getting the quote-unquote hits. Back in the day, hits used to mean like autographs and relics. I now see people saying that like rainbow foils are considered hits. So I guess if we're using that line of thinking, this non-numbered stuff in the retail side of things, hey, you're still getting a pretty solid pull rate on these rainbow foils and royal blues. The one tricky thing about these parallels is that they're not numbered. We don't know exactly how many of them there are out there. They don't really follow any specific pattern over the years. They're just kind of those low-hanging fruit parallels, which means that if Tops needs to print more product, then they will print more of these parallels to kind of uh, coincide with that and to make people still feel like they're getting value out of their packs. But when you get into the stuff that is numbered, you're seeing that all of a sudden the hanger odds have pretty much doubled uh, on almost everything for 2023 Series 1 as compared to 2022, which, by the way, there was already a significant jump from 21 to 22. Now we're seeing it even more. So some of the better odds that you see in a hobby and jumbo come at a very steep cost of pretty much cannibalizing the hits that you would see in the retail products. You're seeing more and more of these hits that were previously allocated for retail now heading over into the hobby and jumbo side of things. And then you're even seeing more of those hobby hits, the higher end ones, moved into the jumbos. What does this mean? Well, that means that if you're buying retail, really, it's not great odds for you. Um, I hate to tell you that it's probably a, a bad decision. And especially when you consider that retail blasters are probably $24.99 in most places, probably closer to 30 bucks, I would say, realistically, with tax. Uh, if you're buying in a local big box store, I think some of those big box stores might even still be charging $29.99 for some of these in addition to tax. Over $30, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to buy a lot of these if you are looking to chase those hits. They want you to buy the hobby. And hey, at that point, if you're buying a hobby, if you buy two hobby boxes, why not just go ahead and get the Jumbo box? Because then you're guaranteed to get uh, the autograph and then more memorabilia cards as well, as well as more parallels and better shots at the uh, at the uh, the chase cards, if you will. So that's kind of, I guess, the approach that Fanatics is taking with it. It is that it is trying to give you more value and encourage the bigger purchases, which isn't really too surprising. This is really how most businesses do that. They reward you if you buy in bulk and you buy larger quantities. If you spend more money, they're willing to give you a bit more value. Uh, that's great. But a lot of times that's going to happen by giving you more value by not taking away what was already there. In this case, what they're doing is that they're keeping the price points the same for these lower end products. This is about what we've seen hobby boxes go for in recent years for series one, series two, and update series. This is about the same price that we've been seeing blasters and hangers go for in the past couple of years. They're giving you the exact same product, but they've decreased the odds. So they're giving you less for the same amount. And they are giving you more in those higher end products at the cost of devaluing 
the low-hanging fruit. And what this probably also is a response to is a lot of the flipping that went into the secondary market. A lot of people going into the big box stores, buying up the blasters because they had the odds to perhaps hit those cards. I know that pulling a gold uh, hasn't been the easiest thing to do, much less something even lower number than that. Isn't the easiest thing to do, much less a player that is any good out of a lot of these packs. But there was still that chance there, and people were still willing to pay that price for $20, $30 and speculate on that. And for Tops and Fanatics, can you blame them really for saying, hey, we want to take that money that people are paying to chase these specific cards and put it back into our pockets? So we're going to take it out of the pockets of the distribution companies who may be putting out the retail wax in the big box stores who uh, stock those shelves taking out of the pockets of the flippers out there who are buying up this retail and then marking it up for more prices and put it in our hobby products, which we have a tighter control on. And that's really what you're seeing here. Uh, why do I think that this is a bad thing overall? And what does this really have to do with diminishing returns? Well, it is pretty much the death notice for retail wax. And you might say, well, what if I just want to rip a blaster with my kid? Let's say that these are around 30 bucks a pop and you buy two blasters. Well, let me tell you this. Later in this year, probably around the time of the national, you're going to see complete factory sets released. And they're going to have both series one and series two. You're going to get every single card. You might be missing like one or two inserts that you're going to get in your blasters. So you're not going to get those. You're also not going to get your commemorative patch cards that you get in those. But you are going to get whatever the bonus is. If you buy the one with the foil boards, you're going to get the foil boards with a chance of hitting a top rookie in the foil board parallel. If you get the one with the image variations, then you're guaranteed to get five of the top rookies and get the image variations of them uh, in those factory sets. And that factory set is only going to cost you the price of two blasters. And there are going to be a lot of them out there. So chances are you can probably find one even cheaper just due to the supply of them out there. At what point really does it make sense to buy those blasters when you know you aren't going to get anything? The odds of you pulling something are so incredibly low that they've never been lower. And if you're really just doing it for the sake of pulling the hits, why not just spend that extra money to get the hobby box? And then at that point, why not just spend that extra money to get the jumbo box? Or if you're just doing the base set, why not just wait for the factory sets to come out? And look, this is assuming that people are looking at ripping wax as a winning opportunity. A lot of times it's not from experience. A lot of the cases that I have open, it takes a lot to make money on them. And you have to really pick and choose your spots, analyze it. Most of the cases that I've opened, I ended up making money on. But that's from selling every card and really grinding it out, putting a lot of hours into it. It wasn't the prettiest way to turn a profit, but I did it in probably nine out of 10 cases that I opened. There were some stinkers that ended up costing me. And of course, there were some where I hit the big cards that helped get me back to that break even point. But here on series one, it's just, it's not there. That value is not there. And that's why I personally haven't opened any of it. And at the end of the day, we're going for these chase cards. I keep using that term. 
we're looking for these parallels and perhaps the big hits. So what exactly are the Chase cards? And are they really worth all of these markups? Well, why don't we go ahead and take a look? So you saw the black parallels were the ones that increased. And the black parallel, again, no secret, is one of the most sought after. It's been around for about 20 years now. In fact, I think 2003 was the first time. So it has been 20 years. Uh, maybe it was 2004. Can't remember off the top of my head, but roughly that time period. And you look at that and you think to yourself, wow, so if I get the black parallel of a top rookie, that must really be worth it. Well, let's go with Adley Rutschman. This is arguably the biggest name on the checklist. There will be some out there screaming in the comments, no, it's Gunnar Henderson. No, it's Riley Green. No, it's Brett Beatty. No, it's Francisco Alvarez. You pick your top rookie. I'm going to go with Rutschman here. So you see, these are the prices of his tops black parallels that have sold so far. Highest one that I am seeing right now, just looking at 130 point. Again, I can't confirm that these were actually paid for, but these are what they had sold at, $610. So roughly the cost of two and a half jumbo boxes, which again, if you take a look at the odds, if you opened... Let's say two and a half jumbo boxes would be 25 packs. You're looking at roughly a one in three shots of pulling any black parallel, any of them. And then if you want to look at pulling one specifically of Adley Rutschman, you're going to have to multiply that one in three by the 330 subjects that are on the checklist. So now you're looking at over one in a thousand odds for the same price that you could just go out and buy the single. And I don't think that this is any earth-shattering revelation here. This is the way that it's been for a long time, right? Those really top-end cards are going to be where it makes more sense. Just say that you pulled the Platinum of Adley Rutschman. Then it would probably be worth it, uh, opening up the boxes to pull that card. But there's only one of that card out there. And once it get, gets pulled, nobody else is going to be able to pull it. There are still going to be blacks out there. If we assume that none of these are duplicates, which I can't see any of these that look like they're the exact same one that's sold twice. So to say that there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of these that have sold, in theory, there are still 65 at most out there that still could be pulled in either a hobby pack or a jumbo pack. But 10% of them are already off the board, uh, which is a pretty big number of them that are already gone. So now your chances of finding this top guy are even slimmer. If we wanted to really take a look at how many of each black parallel of each player have been pulled, we're not going to do that for the sake of uh, today's podcast episode. But really think about this here. The cost of two and a half jumbo boxes to pull what is really realistically one of the best cards that you could. And even then, the odds of pulling this are still less than a tenth of a percent to pull one of these black parallels. And again, I'm sure if we took a look at all of the blacks that have been pulled so far across all 330 subjects, that odds or those odds, I should say, would be even lower to pull the exact Adley Rutschman. And you can do this experiment with any of these players out there. All right. So that was Rutschman. 
in his black parallel. Now you might be saying to me, well, I'm ripping the jumbo box to pull an autograph. Okay. There are some really good autographs. There's some really cool ones that I've been seeing getting pulled out there too. I'm seeing more and more of those reverence than I ever have before. But let's say that you're going for a Rutschman autograph. If you pulled one out of the box, I'm sure you'd probably be pretty pleased with that box. Here's a look at the early prices. By the way, go compare some of these prices to similar cards of Buster Posey. I would say Rutschman is probably the best catching prospect we've seen come up to the major leagues since Buster Posey. And Posey's career is all said and done. A lot of people think he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I would guess he'd probably get there. Uh, but go look at his prices. A guy who has won MVP, won multiple World Series, and will probably end up in the Hall of Fame, I would say. Go look at his prices, and then go look at Rutschman here. It's pretty mind-boggling. And uh, this is banking on Rutschman having a similar career. Here you see probably the best one, Irreverence Patch Auto, $760. So a little bit more than your uh, Black Parallel. But again, that's to pull one of these references. I don't have the exact odds of the references pulled up here. Actually, I take that back. I do. Let me uh, reference them here. Sorry for the... Uh, delay and actually i don't great dead air here from my uh from my show i apologize for that uh but the point is is that i would not expect to pull one of these references in a case if you're opening up a case much less a single box here's something i want to show you here this is over on blowout this is what i see most cases looking like this is a gentleman who opened up in this case here these were his six autographs. For those listening on podcasts, they were Cade Cavalli and Kerry Carpenter, the baseball stars autographs. That's kind of like your base uh, insert, autograph insert set. And then your 35th anniversary autographs. That's kind of the other one that you're most likely to get. Uh, Esther, I can't pronounce this guy's name, but Ruiz, he's the uh, formerly, I think, with the Padres. I don't know where he's at now. He still might be with them. Two Nick Prados, one base, one black parallel, and then Cody Clemens, black parallel. That's it. Those are your six autographs in here. So if you're chasing the autographs, I would say most likely you're looking at one of those as your autographs. And if we even go through the autograph checklist here, I'm pull it up here on my screen. It's... uh. It's even worse. So you see on the 1988 Topps baseball autographs, there are 117 subjects to pull from. So yeah, you could hit Aaron Judge, but I can guarantee you right now there are a lot fewer Aaron Judges out there than there are Derek Halls. No offense to Derek Hall or any of the Derek Hall collectors out there. Or perhaps Graham Ashcraft. There's more of those out there than there probably are Gunnar Hendersons that you're looking for. Or there's probably more out there of Cody Clemens than there are someone like Julio Rodriguez. And that's just the 1988. If we go over to the baseball stars, there's 112 subjects on that list. And again, there are some good ones. If we go down the list, Adrian Beltre, pretty solid one. 
Would that one pay for your box? No, probably not. Same thing with Hall of Famer Barry Larkin. No, probably not. Uh, yeah, a lot of the top rookies, your Corbin Carroll's in there. Your Riley Greens are in there. Your Gunnar Hendersons are in there. But you get my point is that you're more likely to end up with one of these lesser names pulled out of your box. And even then, a lot of these guys, if you hit them, chances are you're going to have to hit one of the parallels to make it worth the cost of your box. You saw some of the Rutschmans were selling for under the cost of a jumbo box. You're hitting arguably the best autograph of any rookie in the product. And it's not even giving you your money back on the cost of a hobby box. So really at this point, the question to me becomes, why are we so complacent with this diminishing return on this? We've always known that opening wax is usually a losing proposition, but now even when you're getting the hits, and even when you're getting the big hits, it's still not even worth it. And I think a lot of it has to do with Fanatics and Tops are pushing you more towards the jumbo boxes, and the jumbo boxes are also the easiest ones for the breakers out there. And look, Series 1 is typically not a breaker product. Breakers don't like it because it's a lot of cards. It's a lot of bulk-based stuff. And you'll see a lot of people who open Series 1 will tell you that you don't get your base. If they open up any kind of flagship product, no veteran base ships, or even some I've seen just say no base ships. Can you imagine that if you got the Orioles in a break and you paid all that money for the Orioles, especially in a pick-your-team break? And you're not even going to get the base Gunnar Hendersons and Adley Rutschmans out of there. I mean, that's a significant amount of money that these breakers are going to be pocketing for themselves and just those cards. Now, are these crazy cards? No. If you're going through a, a full jumbo case, maybe you'll get $30 to $40 worth of cards from Rutschman and Henderson. But I've been seeing spots of jumbo cases for the Orioles go for over $100. And when you're talking about $30 to $40 back, on what you're spending, that that matters. You're trying to get back every single cost that you possibly can. So when the breakers are just pocketing that for themselves, I mean, that's just, it doesn't make any sense. But people are just chasing those big hits. You know, the base, maybe it doesn't matter as much, but I do see more and more breakers who are not even doing that. And then the beauty of the jumbo boxes is that all of the hits are consolidated in the center. So say that someone isn't shipping out those rookies, all you got to do is take the first stack of base in the pack, slide that to the side, go through your hits, take the last stack of base, just set it off to the side. There's only four or so cards that you probably have to pay attention to in each pack and go through. And it makes it for a much easier sort and ship for the breakers. And like it or not, a lot of these breakers are considered the best customers by Tops and Fanatics. Why is that? Well, they move the most product. They sell the most product. More importantly, they buy the most product. And they're willing to buy at higher prices because they can market them up and allow people to buy in. It doesn't seem as bad chasing the Adley Rutschman Black. If you can get the Orioles in a random team break, say for $40 or $50, where you have a chance to hit a $500 card, it doesn't matter how low percentage of odds that you may have to get your money back on that spot, you have that chance, right? And when you have that chance to potentially get more expected value, that creates an opportunity and gets the consumer excited. But 
again, we're getting excited about something that has kind of been conditioned in us. We are getting conditioned to think that the odds are really good in Jumbo this year, that the odds and the expected value are much better than they are in years past. And look, on paper, yes, it is better than 2022. I keep saying that. But in the grand scheme of things, no, this is not a good value, especially compared to where the singles market is now. If you would have told me this two years ago in the peak of things in spring of 2021, maybe it would have made more sense back then. But as it stands in 2023, February of 2023, these wax prices do not reflect the singles market. And even if you want to go back more than that, I'm going to sound like a old school, get off my lawn type here. But I think it's important for context. Here's the odds for 2013 Series 1. If we go back 10 years, keep in mind there are a lot fewer different types of parallels back then. But we can look at our golds and we can look at our blacks. There were 10 of each, 10 less of each, I should say, back then. Hobby odds, 1 in 9. So about 3.33% or 3.33 times more likely here in 2013, 10 years ago. And yes, there are a lot more people ripping top series one than there were back then. The hobby has definitely grown over the past 10 years. And with that, we would expect to see an increase in print runs. Right? But to see this number shoot up as much as it has is just crazy, especially when a jumbo box of this back in the day, I think maybe upon release, $140 would be considered high. In fact, I remember back in 2018 when Series 2 came out and they had the Acuna and Glaber Torres short prints as well as Otani's rookie was in there. I remember being flabbergasted that they were $150 a jumbo box. That seemed really steep for the time. And it was. That was high end for the time. Realistically, a jumbo box after the initial excitement died down on an average release was right around $100 to $110. And now you're seeing it marked up for double that when you're getting less out of it. And really the singles, yeah, they are more valuable than they were back then. But your expected value out of these boxes is so much lower. And we're becoming more and more complacent with getting diminishing returns of what we're spending our money on. And for all of the complaints about Topps quality control out there, and for all of the complaints about the bad boxes and stuff, people are going to keep buying it. The breakers are going to keep breaking it and nothing is going to change. So I really guess the question is, is that can you blame tops for and fanatics for how they chose to approach series one is that on paper? Yeah. They've made it look like jumbo boxes are a better value, but why is that? Why have they made it that way? When you really stop to think about it, it just goes to reflect kind of, the complacency that we've had as consumers for the diminishing returns on opening our wax products. I'm sorry that today's episode wasn't as optimistic. I'm sorry that it wasn't as psychology based as it normally was. This one felt more ranty to me, but I thought that this was important to put out there because I know a lot of people are excited for series one. I was myself included, but I just can't see myself opening up any of this product knowing this information which sucks because I love the product. I love opening it every single year. But for me this year, it's a pass. And uh, sometimes tradition 
doesn't stand up to just how I feel about it. So thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on series one in the comments section down on YouTube down below. Always love to hear suggestions for future podcast episodes as well. I'll see you next time. Take care. Stay safe. Be kind.